All right, we're connected now, and we got some Lorena McKinnett opening music and poetry for you. Pretty parallel to what's going on today. Oh, for a voice like thunder and a tongue to drown the throat of war. When the senses are shaken and the soul is driven to madness, who can stand? When the souls of the oppressed fight in the troubled air that rages, who can stand? When the whirlwind of fury comes from the throne of God and the frowns of his countenance drive the nations together, who can stand? When sin claps his broad wings over the battle and sails rejoicing in a flood of death, when souls are torn to everlasting fire and fiends of hell rejoice upon the strain, oh, who can stand? Oh, who can answer at the throne of God? The kings and the nobles of the land have done it. Hear it not, heaven, thy ministers have done it. Boy, have they. They have contributed mightily to the situation. Good morning, Thursday edition here on May the 18th. Yep, 18th. Roger says your host, Paul my sidekick, technical guy, and all-around wonder guy in the background there, orchestrating things. Thank you, Paul. Uh, we're on a bunch of different platforms, and I, this is where I'm going to just start letting Paul name them all off. So, Paul, here's your moment. Here, here's your 15 seconds of fame. <laughs> okay. We're on Eurofolkradio.com, Eurofolkradio.com, radio.globalvoiceradio.net home network tv and freedom nation tv and who knows tomorrow there may be a couple more you never know so uh thank you paul uh as we get started this morning thursday edition thursday's usually a little bit different as we've commented on before for some reason thursday just thursday and saturdays are just kind of different days of the week and uh, we were having a a brisk conversation with Samuel, who was propositioning or proposing to us here this morning. And so uh, if you haven't been propositioned lately, uh, Samuel's going to take care of that. Hey, all. Um, when I read, this is a, a going to be a couple of paragraphs from Stamper's book. And what compelled me to to want to read this is for the first time in reading this book, which I've read over and over and over many times this particular page in particular is joe's encounter with the judge the other day now that judge was trying to get him in commerce and when i read this you got to keep in mind uh, stamper doesn't know about the national status but the difference between in in my opinion for my getting out of this is that the, the the creditor and the debtor in a situation can change when you're a national or a citizen. And I think that's what the judge was trying to do with Joe. Anyways, let me read this. The first paragraph, I'm going to go real slow because you got to get your hands or your head around that first. It's a short paragraph. He says, the owner of the thing does not have to knowingly agree to be the accommodating party or the debtor person. 
He just has to act like he agreed. Yeah, the, right. legal the legal presumption that he is the accommodating party is strong enough for the courts to hold the owner of the thing liable for a tax on the thing he actually owns. Debtors may have the use of certain things, but the thing belongs to the creditors. The creditor is the master. The debtor is the servant. The Uniform Commercial Code, keep that in mind, is very specific about the duties and responsibilities the debtor has. If the owner of a thing is presumed to be the debtor because of his previous admissions, uh, admissions, right, Roger? Like an and affidavit. Adhesion and adhesion contracts. He's going to have a difficult time convincing the United States that he has a duty to discharge public debt for him. In addition, the federal courts are staffed with loyal judges who will look for every mistake that people make when trying to use their remedy and use the mistake against them in dismissing any actions they bring. There is a very powerful tool people can use to help them get to the real issues when they find themselves up against the power of presumption. The law provides for either party of an admiralty action to object to the line of questioning. When you object in the court setting, you must tell the judge why you object or he will overrule your objection. The reason is this line of questioning assumes facts, not in evidence. So I'm going to leave it there. God, you need all this but, court crap. Well, a couple of things. He mentioned the UCC, and then he mentions admiralty. It can't be both. Well, there is more about that in Stamper's book. I usually don't break that up, Roger, because that's a little bit of a rub with you. However, um, I do believe this being in commerce is what, the judge was looking for it no without a doubt without a doubt okay and you can go underneath that and, and and dig down a couple of layers and i would imagine that joe has a certificate of title on his car i don't know i don't know if joe's with us today or not love to hear that but if he's got a certificate of no, title he doesn't, on, he doesn't. He's, it's a private conveyance okay no yeah, it's a private conveyance. He bought it. He he bought you got a bill of sale uh, and all that from okay. another state. Okay, he has a bill of sale. He paid right. cash for it. Okay, well, in that, um, he actually, I believe, paid lawful money for it, okay. and he never registered it. Okay, well, then I, that's new to me, but uh, that takes that out of the picture. But that's kind of what Stamper's referring to here, I think, and what Samuel's first reading is that. You know, in that status, you don't own anything because you're property. You got you got evidence of ownership, certificate of title, etc. on your car, but a certificate of title is not the title. Okay, well, that's so it's all Roger, this. That's why you know. Listen, that's why I try and keep y'all out of these situations. Is because all this crap right here. 
Yeah, he's an administ- a judge and an administrator over the bankruptcy, and of he's course. trying to collect fees off of you as a slave to that system and as a national. So you would that's why he couldn't let you read the national into the record, because it wouldn't matter whether Joe was buying gas or whatever he was doing. He wasn't in commerce. That's right. It's not going to matter on the appellate level as he takes it up either, by the way, because the affidavit was entered into the process initially. It doesn't matter whether it was read in court or not, which he was stopped him from reading it is pretty damn significant. But yet it was already in the action of the moving party. So that will prevail. At least it will stand, if you will, up to the appellate level. Now, remember, there's a couple of things that are very important when you get in this traffic uh, into this court stuff. You can't bring up anything at the appellate level that wasn't brought up at the district court or the traffic trial level. You can't add stuff to it on the appeal. So that's why in this situation, no matter what happens in the courtroom, it's important to you to get those statements out and on the record because then they can be carried up to appeal. If you don't get them out, they can't. So just a point. If you if if you all read page sixty four in Stanford's book, it, it gives you and it, it takes time to get this like in between your brain <laughs> because we're so used to being citizens and acting like that that uh, we don't realize that this bankruptcy is really what they're they're trying to feed that crap. Well, everything um, everybody was put in after the bankruptcy into this surety position. Yeah, yeah. you're responsible for everything. So they're assuming See, that they can charge us anything they want because well, just we're, we're, we're the surety, like you say. The um, the incident, especially with him reading the affidavit, just continues to reinforce this feeling I've had for a long time on how scared they are of this. Folks, this terrifies them. Because it exposes everything, including them, as being total frauds. I mean, that's how important this is. It might just seem like a piece of paper and a couple of paragraphs, but, buddy, it's got some wampum behind it, okay? It's got some mojo. We got their mojo. We stole their mojo. Do you understand? We didn't steal it. We discovered it and took it back to its rightful owners. That's what's going on here. Do you think all the judges know about this, and all the lawyers? Or I think that, that I think before they're uh, when they're appointed a judge that they send them. I've heard to a to a judge school for a period of time, days or a week or something, and I'm pretty sure they're exposed to that in this. I'm sure it's uh, uh, it, it to some percentage common knowledge to the judgeships out there, and they're they've also gone to the point, and I think Paul's got it on the website of a judge's handbook on how to take care of folks like us. But you see, that handbook was written for people that didn't have the real answer. Why wouldn't the judges go against it themselves? Why, but, why, why would they go along with it all of them? 
because they've got pensions and and and, and here's here's a really in- interesting point that Brent brought up. There's a Kate. There's a book called uh, Justice by Judiciary. It's by a Supreme Court justice named Raul Berger, I believe. And in that, previously to the fifties and the sixties. When they were going to appoint judges, they pulled the judges from the private sector up. But after that, they started pulling them from government service over to the judgeships. So these guys, it's just like Rothschild said in that letter, I think, in the Hazard Circular, that the people that are involved in the system will be so attached to it and their own self-interest that they won't buck it. And I think that's what's going on here. Roger, on the, that's what's second, happened with the second. Oh, oh, yeah, it's what's happened with all of it. And how do they, how do they continue to reinforce that? Is by paying them and paying everybody off. And how do they do that? Because we're property, and they can create as much of these net notes as they want. This is what enables them to do everything: is having a property right on you, and hypo, uh, hypothetically just putting all this paper out that we call money. Roger, this is. Hey, Roger. This, uh, Hold think, on, Gary. I think that uh, I think that Joe actually did this, but maybe not specifically like Stamper is talking about this. But in the, it's still on the same page. He says the owner of a thing, after learning the law and discovering who he is in a relationship to the United States, can file a UCC one financing statement right. and security agreement. That's reread. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's where Tim Turner and all these guys have gotten this UCC-1. That's a reason that many of you can't go down to your property records office and file your affidavits because of this right here. Okay, but did they do this as nationals? Anyways, registering his interest as an artificial entity uh, of the United States, and I think Joe did something along those lines as well, and that may have been stopping the judge from just rolling over him to begin with. I don't know. Gary, would you Roger. have? Hold on. Gary had something there. He's chomping at the bit, and he's nailing nails and no telling what all. Yeah. Gary? Yeah, that's okay. Now I'm telling, tearing down a pool house building <laughs> right now. But anyway, the fourth part, I believe it's the fourth part of the 14th Amendment, says it's illegal for them to expose this. Uh, they can face jail time and uh, everything else if they do. Somebody might not be able to look it up, but. Uh, well, it's that, in the 14th Amendment, it's part of it. Yeah, well, it, you know, they had this whole plan schemed out in the 1850s or 60s, folks, and you can tell by the way that by the sequence of events and what they wrote into that 14th Amendment. You know, we never really touch on the, well, the only other thing we touch on besides the first sentence is the privileges and immunities clause. Okay, but after that, the 14th Amendment is very long. There's a paragraph in there you can't argue about the national debt and all these uh, they knew what they were doing 170 years ago folks now marco what did you have um, you were saying something about the ucc one and this is why we can't put our affidavit in the property records what what happened tim turner who's i think still sits in federal prison would go around all over the country in the middle of the night 
and you know, hey tim's in town tim's in town and he'd have these meetings and i i think he was charging people i don't remember but he's the one that really proffered filing these ucc one forms now john talked about it when we were in his classes 30 years ago so it wasn't totally new okay but it was seems to be to me that it was tim turner uh going all over the country and doing this and that's the reason that you these property records office a lot of them don't want you to file stuff you know you go in there to file up but but wasn't he bringing suits against public officials i I don't i don't i don't know i don't remember i didn't keep up with him i just got I tell you, the sovereign citizen, these UCC1 forms, all the problems that are surrounded with these that we've got and face now come from Tim Turner, to my my understanding. Okay. Okay, I get it now. Um, So, but as a national, we should be able to... Yeah, but the pro- what the problem is is you're dealing with some of these ignorant folks like uh, the supervisor, right. Prince's supervisor at the post office that you can't put an affidavit in the package. Okay, right, right. so okay. they've been told now don't let people file these forms at some property records office. Not all of them. It doesn't seem to be across the board. But Merco, you go into uh, some of them. You walk into one, and they and they call the damn FBI sovereign citizen squad on you for trying right. to file an affidavit. Yep. Yep. Another thing, Roger, that come, came up on the Telegram group, people were talking about using USC codes. And I get that, you know, understanding that it's important, but I think the mentality or, or like the mindset is still in the U.S. system and they're, they're working against this U.S. system by you know, the mindset of a U.S. Okay. citizen. But now as a national, we need to carry on a little different. Well, you know, see, we the United States, there are some statutes that apply to nationals in the United States Code. Okay? But it's not the United States Code that we're dealing with. It's the administrative state that sits below it. Right. See, they take those statutes and they reinterpret them in regulations. It's the administrative agency that comes after you, not your congressman. Your congressman's responsible for the code. The administrative agencies are responsible for interpreting that and putting it into regulatory form so the administrative state can come ding your ass. I mean, what yeah, are we fighting right now? The ba- the battle that's really shaping up right now is agency rulemaking at the administrative state level. It's come up a bunch of times. The Cargill suit in the Fifth Circuit. There was a previous suit in the Fifth Circuit, a decision six months earlier on the EPA. There's another one out there now. The EPA is trying to come out and shut down all coal stuff by 2030. They don't have the legislation back in this. This is agency rulemaking, which is absolutely, totally outside the rules that's why they're getting dinged on it and that's um exactly how you explained it it should clear up some you know some of the the questions that people have remember for new students and i know this is confusing okay there's three sets of law books in the law library the organic statutes at large where everything's considered to be constitutional they're passed by both houses and signed by the president then they pull that over to the united states code either piecemeal or wholemeal we've talked about positive and non-positive law and then from that 
second set of law books, the administrative state makes their little regulations and promulgates them. So don't you be sure try and get your arms around. There's three separate separate law sets of law books here. Who do they apply? Who do they apply to? Well, the organic statutes at large apply to nationals because everything's considered to be constitutional. It was passed by the House, passed by the Senate, signed by the President. It's down here at the other end at the administrative state level in the Code of Federal Regulations where all the, you know, the old saying, you never, you, you never want to know how sausage or laws are made. You ever heard that, Mirka? No. Okay. Well, th- th- this is that. You, you, down here at the administrative state is where they start monkeying with everything. And who sits at the head of all those agencies? All these Zionist Jew bastards. All these corrupt bastards. Okay. Hell, it's not even non-poly. It's just damn slavery. Roger, um, the, 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 the way Stamper is going about this, he's got a nine-step program to move you into the proper relationship with creditor and debtor situation. And, you know, step number one is this. And got to remember, this guy still doesn't know about the national status. I know. Step number Step number one, your claim to being one of the people must appear on the public register, the Secretary of State. There you go. There you go. There you go. That's cool. Um, Roger, and then you explained yesterday how you, when you, um, the judge is calling out your name and is like, well, I'm not that person. I'm the person in the affidavit you know, who is a national and it's the affidavits in the hands of the secretary. <clears throat> well, that's the, to that's me, what helps you. well, to me, the standard approach to that is I'm not, you see, I'm not that person. Here's my, here's my proof right here. You would, and see, this is where I think, I, I think Joe would have, uh, uh, at least gotten a good score in is to use the same technique that Brian Howard used out in Idaho with that uh, lawyer that was involved in his administrative appeal when he tried to diss Brian's affidavit. And Brian said, well, would you like to write an affidavit uh, trumping my facts under penalty of perjury, notarized, and send it to the Secretary of State? No, 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 no. I think that yeah, I, I think I would have loved to have seen Joe pull that out of his back pocket. Well, if mine's so invalid, would you like to write an affidavit to the Secretary of State trumping my facts here, sir? Yep, I like that. Roger, maybe what Joe's response should have been when he got called, uh, other than saying "I'm not that person," uh, refer to the affidavit or, or, or tell the judge, "I don't want. I want to make sure there's no presumptions." As yeah. to who I am, whether I'm the creditor or the debtor here. Well, you could use that language and do that. You know, for, you just got to stand up and belligerently uh-huh. defend your position. Yeah. And Joe Tr- well, and did know. that to a large extent until the guy stopped him reading the affidavit in court. I, and I don't know, and we'll noodle on that and discuss it as we go forward, obviously. But that was a real cr- critical moment, it seems like to me, in his little proceedings. I hope Joe had, does get uh, access to a full recording of that. I, that would just I, I, be... Well, hold it, Your Honor. Sir, I've been reading stuff here out of established sources. Here's my affidavit. You won't let me finish this reading this in, in an open courtroom? Why not? He says that he, did, he had no... Um, he had jurisdiction over him. He didn't want to hear it. 
Well, this piece of paper that you stopped me from reading totally counteracts that, sir, that you don't have jurisdiction over me. And if you did, you wouldn't stop me from reading it. You'd stop me from reading it. You ain't going to stop me. Okay. In in hindsight, I'm I'm thinking some of the language might be something like this. Are are you trying to presume your honor that because – I'm a citizen, I'm in commerce, or as a national that I am not in commerce. How about are you an independent trier of facts or are you a party to the action? Yep. Well, he answered that every 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 step of the way. Didn't of course he? he did. What do you expect him to do? His whole pension, his whole everybody in the town, the the cops go through the the whole police thing. Everybody, all that hinged on him right there. You want to ask why these people act like that? That's why. Byron just went through that yesterday. Okay, jurisdiction thing. So uh, anyway, it's uh, this is the sticky wicket in this whole process, folks. Right here, we're talking about. It is the sticky wicket. If you're out there traveling, damn, don't 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 poke the bear. Don't speed. Be conscious of your speed limit. Be be responsible. That's part of what the whole overriding thing and anybody wanting to do this is to take on personal responsibility. Well, if you're going to do it, take it on. The 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 expired uh, registration is going to be a issue though well if it was never registered how is it going to be an issue for some of us that have registration well yeah okay for everybody else yeah i can understand all that and i understand this is intimidating and it's scary and i just promise you you don't want to be in that setting unless you're just really bold and have got some information and some confidence underneath you it's a scary as hell situation Especially hey, the way they're acting now. Yes, sir. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to tell a little experience I had where, about the uh, judges knowing. Now, I don't know if the lowest level judges know, but they probably do to keep from getting in trouble. But uh, a case I had back before uh, got the national information and proceeded on that, that process was in court finally decided to take a deal like what they really wanted anyway. Yeah. And the prosecutor gave me the form that had, you know, this and this and this and this. And then it had the checkbox for being a U.S. citizen. Well, I knew not not to do that. I knew that was a problem, so I scribbled it out. And then, you know, later it didn't mean anything to the prosecutor. Well, okay, so he took it up there, and it got to the judge, and he was – going through and reading it back on the record having me say that i yes that was that was correct and everything mm-hmm. until he got to the point where i had scribbled out about being a u.s citizen and you know how somebody uh hears a loud noise and their whole body jerks well he did that i saw that i don't think anybody else was paying enough attention but i was waiting to see what he did and he did not read that out loud he just skipped over and it and just went on with the rest yeah i just tried to let it Okay, we're at the end. Just let this go away, and and not put it on the record. But now I get to use that in the case I've now got going because I can refer back to the record why I had previously said that I was not a U- U.S. citizen, and now I have extra 
know, documentation. Yeah, they may not apply it back then. It'll be interesting to see how they apply it, okay? But, you know, here's an old salesman's trick, okay? And that's what they're doing, it sounds like, in the document they put in front of you. Is there's an old technique in sales where you ask people a lot of small leading questions that all go to yes. And then when you get to the big question at the bottom, they automatically answer yes. It sounds like they've got that, are you a U.S. citizen set up at the end of a bunch of other things they wanted you to agree with. That's an old trick, yeah, folks. Yeah, pretty much like that. Yep. About, about three-fourths of the way down the thing. They wanted you to have a few more things to do. So I wasn't yeah, you'd think they would ask you that right the first, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, well, they didn't. They were sincere. They buried it, okay? So where else can we go this morning? Anybody got any comments on what we've been discussing? Mm. Just a uh is all we get. There's yeah, somebody. There's somebody right there. Is that Byron? Yeah, it is. Uh, I went through court yesterday, and I'm not going to go over the whole thing because it was spiritually, physically, and mentally exhausting. It, it is, it. man. It, it'll, you'll walk out of there just wrung out like a dish rag. Um, I do have a recording of it. If anybody wants it, I put it in the telegram. Uh, there's a couple things though, that I do want to discuss. One was, is when I challenged jurisdiction, the judge turned to me and asked me why he didn't have jurisdiction. So I wasn't ready for that, but it gave me the opportunity to introduce national into the courtroom. Okay. The judge accepted my status. Matter of fact, he even read the definition of a national on, on the record. Really? Which which yeah. definition did they read? The INA definition that uh, every national owes permanent allegiance to a state. Yep. And then he tripped he tripped me up because he asked me if I was owed allegiance to the state of Louisiana, and I said yes. I should have said I owe allegiance to Louisiana Republic. Right. And of course, this is a traffic violation, right? Correct. And you turn around to him and say, "Aren't all these statutes written for residents?" That's good. I'll, I'll bring that to uh, to trial. Um, he denied my motion to dismiss because he said the he he told me that the DA had jurisdiction. So I asked him again, like, how does the DA have jurisdiction? And he answered. He didn't let the DA answer. He answered. He used some excuse, a lot of mumble jumble about the Constitution of, and then the Constitution of Louisiana. And We're not talking about that. We're talking about traffic codes. How do you have jurisdiction over those when I'm not a resident? The other thing he asked that really, like, I was not ready for was, is whenever he was trying to establish what a, na- a national was, he said, who is the leader of your country? Who is the leader of your government? I am. I almost said God, but then I just said, I'm not understanding your question. Well, that would have been a good answer, Ashley. Uh, See, we're into the same thing that we were under originally, sir, self-government. But he he was respectful of the fact he asked me if I was driving. Well, you know, hold on, Byron. Let's go back and noodle on that for a second. So... A Louisiana state citizen was under Napoleonic code. 
but they entered the union under the original constitution, which gave you God-given rights and God-served duties. So I think the whole thing would hinge around the fact that all those traffic codes are written for residents, and I'm not a resident, a federal citizen. Thank you for that. Okay, go on with you, what you were saying. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going off on a thought train there. Oh, you're, you're fine. I, I don't even remember what I was going to say. I'll, I'll say this, too. Um, it was really weird, like really weird. I went in, and they had two bailiffs in the back corner that had riot shields and handcuffs on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Damn, you, look, you don't look like Antifa to me. There were five cases in there. There was only five cases, and they and whenever they first time they he said we're going to skip this one. This is the one, and then they went on to a couple more, and then they came back to, and called me up. Oh, so, so they was, waited. They called you at the end, right? Of course, uh, always. They always do this right here, and they cleared out the courtroom before they dealt with you, didn't they? For the most part. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was just four bailiffs. See, they don't want anybody else hearing this stuff, folks. But I went to my uh, Bible study last night, and I asked the guys there. I said, uh, "I said, let me ask y'all a question." I said, "When I went into court today, I said they had a couple guys in the back with riot shields." And the guy looked at me, and he looked at the other guy, and he said, uh, "I said, was that supposed to scare somebody, or was there something?" He said, "Oh no, there was some stuff going on this morning. There was some stuff going on." So I'm wondering if I was that stuff going on. Well, you might have been. I mean, I'm telling you, folks, they're scared as hell of this. On top of all the false stuff that the Southern Poverty Law Center and ADL have fed them. Okay. And well, funded them. Well, good, good work, Byron. And uh, you're going to go to you're going to appeal this your decision yesterday. Well, this was this is what was weird about it is it was a it was a. We listened to my motion to dismiss. He denied it. And it was supposed to be an arraignment. But the word plea was never said, mentioned, thought about, none of that. And the judge just immediately said, we're going to go to trial. And I said, is that going to be a trial by jury of my peers? And he said, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we're going to talk We're going to talk about that, Your Honor, because I don't know how many peers there are in Louisiana to me right now. So how are you going to establish a jury of nationals? So he, uh, when we came back to talking about the, the trial, I said, I asked again, when he gave the trial date, July 26th, I said, and that is going to be a jury by trial of my peers, correct? And he said, no, that's just a, a trial by a judge. A, ju- said, no, a bench. I'm- a bench. They called it a bench, bench trial. I said, I want to vote my right to trial by jury of my peers. And I gave a couple examples where it said I get the right to due process and, uh, he pulled out the Constitution, and I pulled out the Constitution. And um, he finally said, no, you're going to have a trial with, with the judge. And I said, well, I object that. And he said, your objection's recorded. So I objected everything that happened. Good. Everything I objected. Good. So. Good, de- good deal. But, uh, well, yeah. let us know how it turns out. We'll look forward to July, and that might be a real important uh, jury of my peers. Is Were you going to impanel 12 nationals up there to hear this, Your Honor? If not, you're, I'm not getting a jury of my peers. 
You should have. Did you tell well, him that the national really the, Byron? Hold on, Paul. Did you tell him that the national was the old state citizen that's replete in a hundred years of court cases plus? I sure did. Good. I sure did. Good. And that these these uh, international monetary thieves have changed the label on it and hidden it from the people so that they could keep them all in slavery and voluntary servitude. Did you tell him that? I didn't tell him that, but he asked me. He did say, uh, "Do you have a driver's license?" And I said, "Yeah." I said because I fear for my life, and I, you know, right. if I'm under a situation, I'll, I'll show it. And he said, "Well, didn't you agree to to do what you said by follow the rules when you got that?" And I said, "Yeah," but I was 14, 15 years old. I said. They didn't tell me about the fraud that was taken. That's right. They didn't ask me if that meant I was a federal citizen. So why are you even talking about things that are when you're 14, 15 years old? Because the judge brought it up. Because the judge asked me. Well, the but first time you, you say I'm a national, I'm not a U.S. citizen or a resident. Well, yeah, but he did state that back then. And he still have he still has the document. See, that's the sticking point. But they can't require you to have something that's going to change your status under threat, duress, and coercion. I told him. I said, when I was fourteen, nobody told me that I didn't have to have a driver's license to travel. I said, matter of fact, I was told the exact opposite. That's right. That's right. Paul, what were you trying to say a second ago? You remember the only way that they can actually pull out a jury of the jury of your peers. The only thing that makes you uh, someone's peer is your political status, because you could be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be a garbage man, you can be a maid, whatever. You can have uh, any variety of background, history, education, occupation, uh, language, color, race, creed religious belief you can be so many different things but because you're a citizen under the 14th amendment that's the common that denominator everybody peers that's the common denominator that's the right only there. common denominator it all goes back to political status okay well good work byron and uh, good luck on that as you go forward and uh, it sounds like at least the judge the fact that they read that definition into the record is substantial to me i mean that says it all if you understand the underlying legal precepts and concepts that statement says it all So where else can we go this morning? Byron, you got anything else to add to that? I guess not. Okay. So where else can we go this morning? Roger, I have some suggestions, as Bruce. All right. He's out of that place now. He can inform the next level up that he's in jeopardy because of the wrongdoing in the courtroom, and uh, you might need to attend this matter before you become one of the victims. I'm going to do it in a nice way. you know. Well, saying? he said it for trial, so, you know, so you're going, going, to, you're going to have to probably do that after the trial, it seems like to me. Well, if you're in jail, you're not going to be able to do it. Well, he's not in jail. He's calling. I know, but I'm saying go ahead and notify him what's going on in the lower court so he can attend to the matter lawfully. He'll stop it. 
if he's in jeopardy, he'll stop it. He knows that. <clears throat> yeah, that sounds good. Isn't that col- under color of law what he's doing? Well, it's ultra, yes. it's ultra virus. He's been notified. Uh, he, see here, a lot of the problem is that these judges don't understand this stuff either. Well, he got an education from Byron, but well, that's what that's what part of our job is here, folks, is to help educate folks. And unfortunately, you get into these situations like this, and you, you got to go in there and educate those folks a bit. They don't know either. Some of them do, probably, no, but Roger, not many. On. Not many, in my opinion. Well, Roger, right. I was on a radio program yesterday. Oh, excuse me. Go ahead. Well, no, tell us about your radio program. Oh. I called in a radio program um, in South Carolina. I always listen to a sports radio broadcast um, in the evening. And beforehand, they have um, a guy that owns a radio um, station, and he's always getting into political stuff and stuff. And they are bitching about taxes. So I call in. I say, I don't have to pay any of those taxes that you're, you're crying about. Well, oh, you can't do that. And I said, well, I'm a national. And he said, what's that? And I said, what's a national? I said, you need to look it up. You, All you do is put an affidavit in the hands of the Secretary of State of the United States. And within 30 days, if he doesn't come back and answer, your affidavit stands as the law of the, of the country. You're free after that from all this old junk that they're putting on you. And they were just crying about taxes they were paying and all this stuff. And they're going up with everything. He didn't want to hear it. <laughs> nope. So that's not anyway, un- that's not unusual, I I, Bruce. I, I think what I market? shot him in both feet. What well, market? I think I shot him in both feet. Yeah. He might have me back on to find out more about what was going on. Well, anyway. what uh, what market is that out of in South Carolina? That station? It's Columbia, South Carolina, okay. South Carolina. Oh, it's so, in the internet, but anyway, so WIS. It's in Columbia, South Carolina. WIS. No. Okay. No, 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 not that one. That's that's Spartanburg. Oh, okay. Hey, Roger. It's the point. It's the point. It's the point is in Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. Yes, Marco. I was thinking, um, Byron already uh, noticed the AG and DA. He probably can send um, the case information and send his affidavit again and handle it maybe administratively. You know, in that way, because we're talking um, to Joe yesterday and Bruce was giving him, you know, guidance on how we can handle that, you know, that way, since they already started doing it. I mean, uh, Byron, you could take him back and this is a Louisiana case too. take him back to the slaughterhouse cases. Well, my only the only thing about my situation is, is that I received my tickets before the affidavit. So well, that changes things. That's that's a problem. That's a yeah. problem. But my my thought process on that, Roger, and this is what God's put on my heart is, is I've always been a national. Well, that's true. You know, it's when you make it up in your mind. It's just that you got to do it officially for it to take official stamped approval. Uh, but uh, it's interesting that in that situation, you're still pushing this, and let's see if they bring that up. Well, you know, what I'm thinking is that affidavit is strong as a passport. Well, the affidavit is strong as 10 acres of onions. I can promise you that. Look what happened to Joe. 
But, uh, but the problem is with Byron is that the offenses were committed before he filed his affidavit. He had not technically officially quote unquote changed status yet. So we just see if that's a sticking point as you go forward, Byron. Hey, Roger, Augustus here. Hey, Augustus. Hello, good morning, or afternoon, whatever it is. No, it's morning. I just was thinking what he said about, just 30 seconds, please. So I'm thinking to myself, he asked about the license. Don't you have a license? Well, you can, I'm thinking to myself, because of my situation, I have a license, and I have an expiration date, and the difference between me becoming a national I already had the license, and the expiration is another six years from now. So why wouldn't I say to, to the judge, uh, judge, um, I received this. I, I, it was uh, before I even knew about becoming a national. I already had a license, and it expires in 2025. So I'm not understanding why you're asking me that. Yeah, that's the way I'd approach I'm it. Just, I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah, and I think this lack of – what I would say – Yes, in that situation. Yeah, rehearsing it in your mind, that's always good. You're a sales guy. You always rehearse sales calls where you go in there, don't you? Roger, as a a traveler, Uh, you're supposed to only use your passport. Well, I guess that's... Not your driver's license. Well, I think that's true, uh, I guess. Right. But my point is, is that I've already had a license years ago. Right. For that before I became a national. Right. And I have an expiration date. So to answer your question, Judge, I do have I do have a license. Yeah, I do have this license here. Show it to him. Put it up in his face. Yes, I have it, but it has an expiration date. And being a national supersedes and uh, uh, overtakes any statute or any uh, laws uh, that. That I'm being this is this ticket is for. Yeah, well, the, yes, the, you're right. Man. Your line of reasoning is right on, Augustus. Say again. Your line of reasoning is right on here. Okay. All right. That's what I want to know. I'm okay. just trying to because my my court date, quote unquote, is coming up in July too. Unless I receive something from them before, and I'm I would love to be able to call everybody back and say. This is what happened. This is and this is the result of it. So we'll see. I have a few months. Well, we got Jeff out there. Jeff, Jeff, anyway, you with us? Is, is Jeff with us this morning, or do y'all forking? Must not be all. Jeff, you with us? You practicing your guitar or something? Yes, I am. Uh, have you received anything subsequently from these uh, nice people? No. When I was released, I signed it. Signed two one thousand dollar personal bonds, and I was let go. And then I was in, and on that, <clears throat> pardon me, and on that piece of paper that I took home with me, it said, "You will not have to appear before court unless you receive a notice to appear." Right. That's what I. That's what I was asking you about. You hadn't received well, anything. Over from, me, so to speak. Well, I. You know, I. I doubt if you'll ever receive anything from them. Yes, I'm not even worried about it. And see, that's the way they get closure, and they feel like they've won when they really haven't won, and they'll just drop the ball. Well, I will confess that two days later, I received a letter saying, if you don't immediately take care of this, you may be arrested at your place of work or at home or you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I thought, <clears throat> well, I've got 
too many things going on and I, I can't deal with it. I got, I have to move. I got this court date maybe hanging over me. So I paid the fine, let it be gone. Yeah. Okay. Later, I'll come back and do something about that. Okay. Where are you moving to? A smaller apartment. Okay. Yeah, about 20 minutes away from here, so. All right. It's not a big move. But you haven't received anything, you haven't received anything official like you need to appear, this, that, and the other. That's correct. Yeah, and I I will lay an odds here that he he never will. Mm -hmm. I think so. Okay. Another way for them to dispose of this and save face. Well, they think it's disposed, but not if I come back at them later. We'll see. Yep. Yep. Okay, where else can we go this morning? Don't we have to hear if I were the devil? Oh, yeah, we had that set up. Thank you, Murr. Paul, can you dial that thing up? Because I think we're talking about the devil right now. Be nice to hear some of his accolades and his parameters. Paul's scrambling. Cat, get out of the way here. Let me get to this damn button. Well, I had some things. I had some things muted. I was working on something on the uh, something in the background. Um, talk about a couple of things. Uh, give me a minute, and I'll uh, I'll let you know when it's ready. Okay, we're gonna <laughs> tap dance around while Paul finds the button. Uh, hey, Roger. Yes. Good morning, Joan. Hey, I, I. Good morning. I'm almost sure that that jo- Joe's judge told that policeman. In the back room, don't you ever not run somebody's DOT number again. That's probably. sure. You know, you'd love to know. Remember Joe said that the prosecutor and the policeman went in a closed session for an hour before this, before the courtroom session. There ain't no telling what they discussed, including getting messages from the judge. But it was pretty obvious. He's fired. He might be. Um, Well, because he's left the whole damn police department in the city up uh, with liability, folks. All of them are culpable. I'm wondering if that patrolman doesn't have some other, like I said, pelts on his belt that need investigating. Well, it's it's quite interesting, and I think Joe really threw a little hitch in their giddy-up in there, is my feeling, from thinking about it for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And I think he's on real solid ground for an appeal. Now, what we still don't know is how corrupt is the New Jersey State appellate level system. That's the that's the question that isn't answered yet. Okay. What well, isn't corrupt in New Jersey? Well, nine times out of ten, the judge don't let you go once they decide that you're guilty. They put you in jail, and you got to bail out. Or get yeah, get some money out of you. That's the main. You know, and I'm thing. I'm sure that judge didn't want to take that step with Joe at that point. He's already on real shaky saying. ground. Well, it looks like Paul Harvey wrote If I Were the Devil in 1965. Yeah, it's been around for a while. I remember hearing it on the Paul Harvey thing years ago. So It's a good one. Just Paul's having to dust all the dust off of it to find it, evidently. 
Well, no, actually, there's lots of copies of it that are available, but they sound horrible. Oh, okay. And I think I found the cleanest one that I have. I was working on it last night to clean it up. Somebody ran it. So let's try this. Hope everybody can uh, understand it. God bless Paul Harvey. If I were the devil, if I were the devil... If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our mother, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. What'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, And I could lure you into bed with disease for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. Boy, he really had some foresight, didn't he? He talked about the indoctrination. You know what struck me out of there? He said he'd he'd take God out of the Congress. And there was an incident here about a year or two ago in uh, in the House when the Dems had control, 
and there was a, a very religious conservative guy from Florida that was up speaking and mentioned God, and Jerry Nadler was running the committee, and he goes, there is no God in this house. Yeah, there's no test of religion, and that was that was the same call back at the beginning, before there was even a constitution. Jonas Phillips from the synagogue of Philadelphia sent a letter to Washington, and they didn't want any test of religion. And he contradicts himself in the letter. He believes the Bible and it was inspired, but not the New Testament. Okay, so it's Christ and Antichrist. Yep, yep. And there were several instances back then. I'm sure. That, I'm sure. That they're godless, you know. I mean, they're men just like today. So that's what really annoys me when we say founding fathers. You call no man on earth father. Only your heavenly father, Okay. Yeah, this is the same as like he was saying, your God is in Washington. But they had to get all the states and the people hey, under, under their control, and that's the 14th Amendment. Yes, Bob? Now, this, I think I've mentioned this before. I haven't been able to find it. Maybe some nimble fingers can, but Paul Harvey had another one concerning welfare. And he dressed it up as feeding the bears at the park and why you're not supposed to do that. And, you know, Paul Harvey, we just listened to him. It takes three to five minutes to get through this long, well-detailed thing about how it just becomes adapt. You know, they adapt to the idea that they get it. And then when they don't get it, they tear your car apart. And he says, finally, to resolve the whole thing, he said, the comparison to our present welfare system is so striking as to not need more uh, commentary. Good day. Well, I mean, this and goes back to find that. This boy, goes back it, to the to the conversation. This goes back to the conversation and what we found through Brent on Corban, doesn't it? That Jesus was fighting the social system of the day. And if you became a Christian, you oh, got kicked out, kicked out the of the social of system. Demon. Yeah, it goes back to the idea that the root of demon is to divide, to divide, a provider of benefits. You get this, you get that. Oh, but I want something else, you know. Yeah. But if you're right. I'll look for that. That Corban protected the elderly. So that's why they wanted to go after that, too. Of course. You know, their parents. Of course. Well, they get to corrupt the children first. Then they get the wealth of whatever the children snitch on them, and they leave the old people out in the cold. Yeah, perfect. Well, before they corrupt, they have to break it up so that the woman and man are against each other, you know, in every aspect. So then you break up the family, and so you've got the children. Another big thing that happened in the 60s was this no-fault divorce stuff. Yep. I think that was... Wasn't that like 73? I'm not sure. It was in the late 70s or early 70s, late 60s, somewhere in there, and they brought no-fault divorce in. Hell, I wasn't even married back then, you know, but I and remember it. Right, it right around when they brought in the pill. Yes, exactly. It was we right along work. Woodstock and the music invasion and all of the turmoil that was sent through the lower ages of the population at that point, and I was part of that. Well, it was the usury uh, suspects from Frankfurt came uh, over. Uh, and, uh, well, of course, and, is Tavistock. Ta- right, Frankfurt, Tavistock. Frankfurt and Tavistock working together, you know they do. But they were careful to slow it down because they only took 14 years over there in the Weimar Republic after 
after they smashed the Germans with World War One and all the reparations they had to pay. So, you know, there was still this generation that knew better around. This time they waited, they sort of did it slowly, two, three generations, you know. So you only uh, see the carrot. Yeah, what did they hit? What did they center on? The baby boomers. Uh-huh. The large and that term is is made up. It's like a cattle feedlot, right? No, we're a generation of families, you know? So, you know, don't let them peg your generation. And same thing they did with uh, fairly recently, uh, like at the airports and they want to check you and everything. They got everybody calling their their precious reproductive organs junk. <laughs> you know? No. You just want you to think you're worthless. So words words mean things. Words have connotations. Words Power create impressions. Words yeah. create reality when you really think about it. Yeah, because that's the fa- thought. You know, like uh, the thing, um, it's in French usually, but uh, it'll show a picture of a pipe, and it says, this is not a pipe. It isn't. It's a picture of a pipe. And the same thing with the map is not the territory. You know, it's the same same idea. You uh, have the fiction, and now we have AI, so you know they fictionalize everything. Yeah. Speaking of, I just heard uh, somebody talking about they took the uh, Durham report that was issued this week and ran it through Chat GPI, <laughs> and Chat GPI listed out five, five or six offenses, and then it started. It asked it who should be prosecuted, and it starts naming John Brennan and Caught Clapper, all these people. The damn Chat GPI did that. Yeah, every time they give it a chance, it, you know, it just is uh, logical. Puts, it puts together what makes sense, you know. And then they have to go back and smash it and make it lie. By the way, I guess Marjorie Taylor Greene issued a couple of articles of impeachment. It's supposed to issue some more this morning, I think, Biden and Blinken. Evidently, they're going to go after Blinken with all, all talons. We'll see what happens. But uh, there, there's a lot of stuff getting uncovered right now. It's going to be very interesting, folks. Now, you see you see now, while they put so much emphasis on Herschel Walker in the Senate against Warlock, don't you? Warnock, whatever his name is. Because now the Senate's in their control, and they can't get any of that stuff up to the Senate. When you impeach somebody, that just means you're charging them. They charge them in the House, and they try them in the Senate. So... Most of the stuff she's doing is just for publicity and soft power, but they're never going to get a trial in the Senate that's fair because they rigged these last Senate races. Those two that were in runoffs that were so important, Warnock and, and, and Herschel, and I forget the other state, uh, what, that was Pennsylvania, wasn't it? Anyway, you can see why it was so much emphasis on the senators on this last round. Anybody happen to see that statement by Fetterman the other day in the Senate? Anybody see that? My God, that that guy's a senator up there mumbling and jumbling through what he's trying to say is absolutely, incredibly embarrassing. Oh, Fetterman? Yes. Yeah, he's brain dead. You know, and he wears his little uh, hood-type clothes. You know, those shorts and the sweats and all that stuff. And he looks like when he's walking through the halls, a picture I saw, 
Like he's just following whoever's in front of him. Well, that's all he is, a follower. Doesn't, he doesn't know he where was, he's going. Or... Yeah. He was having a conversation with himself. Unbelievable, the amount of uh, idiocy you've got up there. Oh, I guess, by the way, now, uh, in the uh, the statement, um, who's the Speaker of the House? What's his name? Um, anyway, he got up. Pardon me? Is it McCarthy? McCarthy got up, and I don't know if any of you saw the little statement he made about this report from Durham, and but he individually isolated Schiff out and said, we don't even know if he needs to be in Congress. But the problem is, yeah, well, guess what? He's he's announced he's running for senator. He's going to try and run for Feinstein's seat, evidently. Boy, you folks in California moved from Feinstein to Schiff as senator. How lucky can you get? Thanks, Roger. <laughs> Maybe he'll be there for eight years, too, huh? Well, I I have heard that he's the grandson of uh, the shift from Cone Lobe. Don't know whether that's true or not. A uh, Jacob shift? No, I think um, what's his name Gore's son-in-law is. He was rewarded with a. But he, uh, w- Gore. Oh yeah, and the the guy that uh, Hillary uh, uh, Chelsea Clinton married too. Oh yeah, it will. Yeah, it's a Jewish. Is a shift. Yeah, I think he's part of that. Little... Soros' son. It's Soros' son. She married. Is, is that who she married? Is Soros' son? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me look that up. Yes. That doesn't sound right to me. I thought it was one of the guys. Yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was a shift, but I could be wrong. I don't keep up with all of their I didn't, I didn't marriages. Know I'll look that up. But I think she, her mother, and Babs, they all come from Crowley. And so now their baby, their little baby there, when bigger baby now, is in that line. I think they're carrying that through the female line. Oy, 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 oy. Come out of her, my people. Come out of her. Anybody else got anything this morning? By any chance, or any new students that have a question or anything like the kind of reason the show's here? Roger, I'd like to introduce a new idea. Okay. For this group, anyway. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the, the Jews and we blame them for stuff. And of course, there's the Nazis and there's the and you're you're clipping real bad, Samuel. Your clip is real bad, but yeah. Anyway, if I can get this in, oh, it, it's the spirit of Antichrist. Is I think we could label them all, and either are or you aren't right. You're either in the fight for uh, a Christian type belief on how to treat each other, or you're not, and. The forces that be, I think, are just really the the spirit of Antichrist. That's all I have to say. Yep. Mark Mezvinsky is Chelsea's husband. Mezvinsky. Mezvinsky. Mrs. Yes. Mez- Mezvinsky. <laughs> I was watching a uh, video this morning. There wasn't anything else to watch. I just dialed up something, and it was pretty interesting. It's this gal, Whitney Webb. Are you familiar with that gal? She's an author. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff there, but then you got to look at her father. He's very wealthy, and but anyway, go ahead. Well, anyway, she's back in the states. I think she lives in Chile, uh, and has come back to the states for a Bitcoin convention. And the interview's up there on on uh, on BitChute somewhere. 
But uh, she's the gal, when I was in Argentina, that was writing all those articles on the influence they've got in Patagonia, which is southern Argentina. And it's almost all been bought up. Well, you know, Ted Turner, uh, World Conservation League or whatever, owns a whole bunch of property down there. Um, Ted Turner owns a bunch of property down there. But the guy that's the uh, the head Jew in charge is a guy named Joe Smith, who used to be a partner or something with Soros. And uh, that's the the way I first became familiar with her was writing some real in depth articles on research on what's going on down there. I've mentioned it before. Uh, also, my information comes from Adrian Salbucci, uh, who I had a personal relationship with down there. Um, but they've got an airport, for example, in southern Argentina that's bigger than Aeroporte. You know, I mentioned uh, here recently Aeroporte is the domestic airport. It's right adjacent to Buenos Aires. And it used to be the international airport, and then they built an international airport about 45 minutes out of town named Aziza. And then they use Aeroporte as the domestic airport for domestic flights in Argentina, mostly. Uh, and the fact that they're letting, they've opened up Aeroporte to the homeless. The economy's so bad down there, it's getting, they're going into winter and they don't have any place to sleep. And they opened up the airport for the homeless. And you, they had a picture of it. You couldn't find an open space on the floor, for God's sakes. Anyway, the airport they built in southern Argentina down in Patagonia is bigger than Aeroporte. The runways are longer than Aeroporte. There's no customs, no Argentine police, no nothing else. And they fly huge airplanes into there and with no telling what all's involved. But they've taken over Patagonia and have for many years now and buying up all the electric companies, the radio stations, uh, everything. They They can get privately owned. So, but that's the first time I saw this Whitney Webb and became familiar with her work. She does real good work, and it's quite a good in, uh, interview with a lot of her re- research on O. Epstein and his connections and what was going on here. So, some of you, if that interests you, you might want to dial that up. It's a pretty good interview. I haven't finished it yet. So that was on my mind this morning. Um, she has real good articles, Roger. It's not all that old. It's called Laundering with Immunity into how these international corporations do that. Yeah, she's real have steeped in all that? these connections. And who the, yeah, she's very very well versed on all these different individuals and how they connect to these organizations and how they connect to Bill Clinton or the Bushes or Wexler or Epstein and all that stuff. It's a pretty interesting interview. But she's a real talented gal. I think she lives in Chile. She does. Chile okay. or Panama? No, Chile. I've heard her specifically Chile. say Chile. In, yeah, she lives in Chile. Interesting place. Americans generally like Chile. was my experience of meeting people down there. I've never spent much time over there uh, one night in Santiago. Uh, but... Uh, a lot of Americans all like living over there. I'm not sure they're in a little bit of a tumultuous situation in Chile right now, like everywhere else in the world. That's Rockefeller country. 
because of the copper. They're one of the biggest copper producers in the world. Yeah, Rogenfelder. So where else can we go this morning? Oh, come on now. I know somebody in this crowd's got something to say. No? Well, Paul, maybe I will take a little off a little early today so nobody's got anything they want to talk about. <laughs> Do you want me to break it? Do you want me to break it? Sure, sure. <laughs> go ahead. No, I don't think so. I don't think Hello, so. Hello, Roger. Here again. Um, yeah, good morning. Who's that? Augustus, can you hear me? I'm oh, to be, yeah, there oh, you go. Yep. Augustus again. Yeah, hi, Augustus again. All right, super. Uh, I, hi. I'd like to explore the uh, the 401 uh, retirement, taxes. I just, I'm not clear on it, and I know you may not be clear on it, but I just wanted to get some more feedback on that because of the financial situation. Because okay. Because I follow it pretty closely. Um uh, just want to find and get some response or some do you uh, have uh let's let me ask you augustus do you have a couple of those do you have some yes. of those 401ks yes. or roth ira's Absolutely. or any sure. of that sure, junk? sure sure yep okay well yes. my my first re- reaction would be if you can move any of them over into a gold or silver ira that ought to be something you ought to think about immediately i'm familiar with that as well and uh, the storage fees and the expense and so forth. And there's more than a couple of them that do that. And I've looked at that, yes. But overall, my question is, if I said to my, uh, let's say, interactive brokers, maybe you know that word or that name. If I said to them, hey, send me my check for X number of dollars. That's, uh, I want to know, I'd like to find out a little bit more, to be more clear what kind of implications that would create being a national well it shouldn't you should be able to get your full amount you should be able to get your full amount out without having 30 percent withheld is the first reaction i've got but again it's going to depend on which one of the outfits you're dealing with maybe to some extent too um princess isn't on here today she's been trying to do that with pimco i think has anybody got an experience they'd like to share with Augustus on getting uh, funds out of a, a retirement account? I think what you'll end up doing with them, if you want to get the funds out, Augustus, is is file a W-8-B-E-N with them. No, I can call them. I can sell the stock. I can get the cash. They'll send me a check. I have control of it. Right. But I want to know the implications. And what you're saying is, is that quote-unquote 30% that you're trying to ding you with does may not apply, hopefully doesn't apply. Well, it doesn't apply. It's income tax stuff, withholding and all that. To my understanding, I mean, okay. I was never, I never, I've never had one of those accounts, so intentionally. Roger, I was looking over. So let me ask you this question. Well, hold on, Augustus. We might have somebody that might Sorry. have something for you. Who was, who was trying to say something there? This is Dan from Pittsburgh. I was looking over the W-8-B-E-N this morning, and there's nowhere that I can see to claim exemption. So, I, you know, because I'm, I'm sort of in a similar boat as, as Augustus, where I have 
to submit um, a, a form with under perjury as to whether I'm a U.S. citizen or not. And they don't have an option for U.S. national. And I'm looking at the WBN, and I don't want to get dinged for 30%, but I, I, I'm not seeing how to get out of, of having, a, having them withhold it. Well, I, you know, again, Joe is the one that has researched a lot of this. I don't think Joe's with us today, unfortunately. No, I'm, there he I'm is. here. There he is. Hey, Joe. Hey. Uh, so on the there's a part two. I'm I'm actually on foot right now for obvious reasons, but um, <laughs> there is if you look on part two of the WABEN, it tells you like it, it talks about a tax treaty. Right, and then says uh, so. What I did was I put zero percent on there, um, and then also there uh, when it says country, you could put USA. Okay. Uh, that and and I did that because like I, I I mostly have my own business, so I mostly just you know I'm self-employed, but I do work for community centers. Talk right in the microphone, Joe. We lost you. You do work for community Some, center. Somebody was calling. I've been getting tons of scam calls lately. Sorry. So, all right. So, uh, sorry. That's okay. When you, so, so when I did this with them, I gave them, I gave them, I gave them that WAP and I filled it out. And then on the tax treaty part, I put 0%. And then uh, I told them USA, United States of America. And when I got the paychecks, they were the complete amount with no 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 tax taken out at all. But that wasn't but, a retirement fund. This was no no because so, it's a retirement fund. It's a little bit different. I don't know exactly how that would work. I mean, I have to look at the form and then kind of figure out what we could do for that because you have to give them your social. Because I didn't give them a social security number on that when I did it, so they can't even take out the FICA because they don't have a number. For them. Is that covered in your video, Joe? Uh, it, it, not for that, not for that specific issue. It's more for like getting employed and getting a job, but for that, I'll tell you what. I'm going to look at this. Yeah. Bruce, uh, can't you attach your affidavit to the form? I would think so. If you're a national, yeah, they got to recognize it. That's the whole point. Yeah, that, I intended to do that because when I asked Roger last week, he said, uh, "See attached explanation or you know statement or whatever." So I'm going to do that, but I'm just wondering if I need the WABEN as well. Because in, in these cases where you're supposed to get a payment that the says you're supposed to submit the WABEN in advance of the payment. Otherwise, it's like default. They withhold the 30%. Yeah, well, that's understandable. We'll try it, Dan, and see how they react. In some of these instances, the only way we get to know things is when people press the envelope. Yeah, and I mean, I've heard folks on this line say that I can do a revocation of election in the event that they do withhold. Should but be able like, to. 
or at least file an NR, uh, you know, you could do the whole three years or just the past year that they withheld that 30% if you're clean otherwise, it would seem like. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Okay, Augustus, what what else did you have for us? I don't know if that helped or not. Hopefully it did. Well, my... Yeah, it, it got a little clear on what I need to do, but thank you, everybody. The uh, other thought I have is that if, if this is the case that I'm not being the 30%, why wouldn't I cash out and convert it to physical uh, physical uh, gold well, and that, silver? That's because what, if that's... you don't, obviously, if you don't hold it, you don't own it. Well, supposedly that's correct. There may be some more secure ways than others, but it's always best to have it in your own possession. Uh, nothing to stop you from doing that if they give you 100% of what you request, Augustus, in my mind. Right. Well, that is that that is my quest, to find that answer out. <clears throat> but thank well, you. That was a little helpful. Yeah. We'll call them and ask them. Fi- have, you fi- have, you sh- have you filed an affidavit with them? Have you put something, uh, uh, your affidavit in their records? With the brokerage firm? Yeah. With the brokerage firm? Why oh, not? no. That's a good thought. Why not? They don't know your position unless you let them know officially. Mm-hmm. Why not just cash out? Don't notify them anything. Just well, that's what he, that is what he was talking about doing, but that's when I ask him if he's got an affidavit on file with him. But I tell you what, if you're, if you're, you're approaching that, I'm just going to tell you, if you're approaching that decision, try and, try and expedite it, man, because we don't have much time for you're going to see some fireworks here financially. That's why I brought it up. Yep. Uh, I like that idea, though, with revocation of election. If they if they take it, then I can file that to get it back. Yeah, you get something else. Yeah, you get three years sitting there. Um, there's some somebody calling himself Elmo, and I'm not sure if it's the same one that wrote this first part. There's a couple people in Chattango, but anyway. All cops use legal terms, vehicle, driver, passenger, which is a legal determination they are not qualified to make as they are not a licensed attorney. When you try to cross-examine a cop on the meetings, the prosecutor will object and say the cop is not qualified. He is not an attorney. If he can't use it in court, he has no standing to use those terms on the side of the road. And Elmo says, DMV was after me to register my ride and I and pay a $100 fine. I told them to pull my file at the AG office and get back to me. I've not heard from them since. Uh, and this other one, accusing a cop of practicing law without a license is one charge I make right up front and continue that throughout the traffic. That's not a bad idea. Focus on things above, he said. Okay, that's... Yeah, not a bad idea. Good good suggestions, Elmo. Yeah, and AI cops, uh, what else... Uh, prepare for having, I don't know, he has a YouTube there for something. Uh, pray they turn their swords on each other, slaving, slaving SOBs. AI will be the image of the beast. And I wanted to ask you, Roger, was that interview with uh, Whitney just from yesterday? It just popped up this morning. 
Okay, so this is probably the one I just located. It, it says uh, Whitney Webb talks about Epstein or something's the title. Uh, let me see. Where is it? I just had it. I can put it at the end of the show description today because I still oh, haven't finished title watching on the it. One I, one I found, Whitney Webb on Jeffrey Epstein's yeah. connection with Elon Musk and Bill Clinton. Yeah. It's PVD podcast episode 270. It's two hours and 12 minutes. Yeah, it's lengthy. Okay. Well, I'll stick that in the chat. Okay. She's real sharp, that Whitney Webb girl. Oh, yeah, she is. So where else can we go this morning? Augustus, we get you taken care of, buddy? How's the new How's the new granddaughter? I am unmuting right now. Uh, as a matter of fact, Eric sent me a text. He says, Pop, uh, if you're not doing anything Sunday, do you want to come over and meet uh, our baby girl? Yeah. Ilana. You haven't met her yet? And I said, of course. You haven't met her yet? No. no they were, see, you didn't, I don't think, I don't think you guys, I don't think you knew this. There was, it was touch and go for like six days. I didn't say that to anybody. It was really bad as far as the baby's health and so forth. Really? But the test turned out negative and everybody, everybody seems to be doing well. So my first thought went to the shots. And then my second thought was, so I stayed out of it. I, yeah, I didn't say, you know, I just said, hey, is there anything I can do? Uh, uh, if there is, let me know. Just kind of went on the sidelines. So at this point, he's, and I figured at some point it would, this would happen, what he just said, which I don't want to, I mean, they're new parents. And da, 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 da. so he's like, pop, really busy. I said, all right. Yeah, cool. of course. So Sunday. That's going to pop over there and see what's up. Well, I remember a friend of mine years ago had a, had a child, and he and I remember his comment. He said, "If she knew how much fun she was giving us, she'd charge us." Hey, Roger. Yes, Joe. A little baby. Wow. So just the, the uh, I just wanted to complete this thing with the WABN uh, for the um, business for retirement or collecting Social Security. This would be for his retirement accounts. He'd like to drain them and get it into something solid. Oh, like the Roth IRA or whatever? Some of that bandit crap, whatever it is. Another way for them to oh. take take your money and exchange it for worthless bonds. All right. So in part two, oh, oh. All right, like he, can fill, he can fill out this um, thing normally. Name. It says permanent residence address. You sh- I, I always tell people to put a rural route and then put the address in there. Uh, mailing that, address, whatever. Isn't that interesting? A residence address? This is permanent residence address. Isn't that interesting? A residence address? No. Go ahead. So, or I say rule-free delivery, so you don't give them a residence by doing that. But then they accept it as a as an address, and then the mailing address you could just put in, you know, whatever the address is. And then he has to put his social in there, so he could put that in. But in the tax treaty benefits, it says uh, the resident of you put N A, like N slash A, and then it says uh, special rates and conditions. Paragraph of the treaty of the zero percent rate. 
Okay, and for the the country that they're asking for, you can put the state that you live in. Okay. Well, good work, Joe. Thanks for going over those documents. Um, By the way, I heard, uh, I don't know if any of you all saw this yesterday. It was a small clip of Senator Kennedy from Louisiana. in in a hearing with the president of Silicon Valley Bank, did any of you see that by any chance? Kennedy is no. a Kennedy is a fabulous senator, folks. Okay, Byron's lucky to have that guy as a senator. Um, but he he just grilled this president of this bank. It was it was really pitiful, honestly. Uh, the guy is just sitting there like a deer in the headlights. But he got him to admit that they took on fifty five percent of their assets were bonds. And when the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates, and they're holding these bonds at one percent, they didn't buy any hedges. So he said, well, so you didn't buy any hedges against this when you knew the Federal Reserve was uh, raising rates, then I guess you just wanted to keep your profit line higher, didn't you? And the guy tried to wiggle out of him. He goes, well, you buy hedges to secure investments, and when you buy them, you lose money on your bottom line, don't you? Well, he finally backed this guy into a corner. He's like a deer in the headlights. It was an excellent exchange. But the, the key point of that Fifty-five percent of their assets were these bonds, folks. Over half. What's going on there? The Federal Reserve is shoving these bonds because they are non-productive for them. They're holding their own paper. They're having to buy them because otherwise the bond market's going to flip and it runs everything. So that's where all this banking stuff, Augustus, I hope you're listening, all this banking stuff becomes so important because evidently all the banks are loaded up with these damn bonds. And on top of that, the FDIC or the whoever's in control dropped the reserve requirement to zero, which means the banks don't have to hold any cash for their outstanding loans. Which means when you go to get your money out of the bank, they don't have any to give you because they let the reserve requirements go to zero. That's where we are right now, okay? And I, I forgot what I was listening to is going over yelling. So I think I was listening to an SGT report with his trader guy last night talking about what Yellen's going to do and the only thing she can do is start dealing with uh, with cheap bonds again. So anyway, it's very convoluted, it's quite complex and uh, but we're uh we're getting close to the fork in the road. Okay? For whatever that's worth. So anybody got anything else this morning? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, there's two females at one time. Now I'm totally, uh, totally uh, confused <laughs> at that point. Take the other one. Joan, was uh, that you? Roger. If, if uh, 
I have some currency in a brokerage outfit that I wanted to take it out in cash. And they said, well, we're a brokerage. We're not a bank. The only way we can give you your money, the currency is cashier's check, something like that. And so I was thinking, well, where am I going to cash a cashier's check? I was thinking that to myself. And so, but then uh, something Augustus or someone here said earlier, uh, are you Roger about gold and silver? Uh, what if, what if this brokerage outfit has, because they have all kinds of, you know, treasury bills. Uh, I don't even know all the words, it, it, all kind of, um, you know, mutual funds. Uh, what if I asked them, well, do you have a, a gold and silver? Um, thing where I can uh, transfer the my the funds into a gold and silver account. Okay, well now here's what you got. Here's what you got to be cautious of. If they say yes, and they're going to an ETF, that's not where you want to place your funds. You know what an ETF is, Joan? It's called it's no? an electronically traded fund. And what they've done over yeah. the last, I don't know, 30 years or so is started these electronic funds on Wall Street that are spec, basically speculating on gold. They've got some behind it, but you can't get at it. When you go to cash in, they, they pay you in cash instead of your gold and they're letting all the big guys get all the gold out of there. Comex is one of them. Uh, there's a silver traded fund. So you, you want to ask them if they've got some way to access something solid. Now your other option is to have them send you a cashier check, um, and, uh, deal straight with a, a gold and silver dealer. And just transfer this, uh, endorse and send, sign the uh, cashier's check over to them. Would seem okay. like. Okay, so there's a couple options for you. But if they say yes, make sure it's not an ETF. Right. And ask them, is, is it you. some way that I can take physical delivery? Because a lot of those places will want to store it for you. And like Augustus mentioned, storage fees and all that other stuff. Okay. Uh-huh. So the first question to ask is Bitcoin what? Is it good or bad? Oh, hell, I don't know. Um, I suppose it's good in many respects. Uh, it's all the complicated crap and the, uh, the technology stuff and losing your key or people stealing it out of your wallet or stuff like that. This kind of turned me against it, you know. You ain't going to hold it physically. Well, you could if you had a cold storage device, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You could hold it physically. But um, I I just go back to the solid stuff. That's what I mean by physically. There is no physical to it. Well, if you have a cold storage, there is. You get a little thing and you store your coins and you pull them out of the computer and you go put them in the safe in the little cold storage thing and then you physically have got it, okay? Hey, Roger. Yes, there's Wayne. Hey, Wayne. 
Yeah, hey, uh, just a, a note for Joan. Uh, on these brokerage accounts, more than likely, uh, when you have an account with these people, you're not the legal owner of whatever's in there. You're just called a beneficial owner. Right. So you don't really have title to that degree. And so in a case like hers, if she wanted to do this, uh, in most cases, she should get a, the, uh, bank, uh, the CD or the cashier's check, deposit her bank, because anybody she deals with it, they're going to want to wire. They're not going to let you sign over the check to them. Okay. So you want to wire the money directly to them. And they use services like Fed. Uh, some of the people I know, they, they use services like FedEx. And they're very, very discreet how they handle everything. It can come right to your door, and they'll let you know exactly when it's coming with tracking and all that. So you, you know what? Very secure ways. Most it. most dealers use registered mail. It's my experience from the old days. Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, these days, uh, be- because they have great deals with FedEx, they can they can ship it out. Folks get it next day, and it passes probably through less hands. Because there are a lot of cases where the USPS is, may not be that secure anymore. Well, registered mail so is one that, area. I have my in-laws with that. So. Yeah. Um, so e- e- either way, that's not a bad suggestion, Joan. And he's probably right that they wouldn't want to accept an endorse uh, cashier's check that they'd want to get wired. I heard about a guy that, the other day that uh, about a month ago that had was sitting on a bunch of cash, Wayne. And he went in to buy some silver, and he took, to, because they were uh, necessitating wire, right, I guess, he took the 20 grand into his bank one day and 25 in the next day to wire to the coin dealer, and the bank seized the funds. No surprise there. Wow. How would you like to have stashed up a bunch of cash and you go in to try and convert it and the damn bank seizes your funds? So just be careful. you got to be careful who you're dealing with. There's some very reputable. Sheckman's very good. I think Noble Gold is very good. This guy, Mike McGill, that's on rents, seems to be really above board and solid. Uh, there are some good folks for you to deal with out there, but do your research. I'd add uh, ITM trading to that, too. They're out of Phoenix, Arizona, yeah. and they have very, very sharp people there. Uh, that Lynette Zhang has done uh, a lot of great videos. And, uh, yeah. I was going to say that's Lynette Zhang's outfit, yeah. But uh, the time to do it's now. Gold has evidently dropped. They knocked it back down to under 2000 Yeah, Roger, and those prices you see, like on Fox, whatever, that's just the uh, the spot price. That's almost like a wholesale price, too, that's kind of a base for all the you, trading. You, the real market, what people can find out, is like eBay and other places where it's actual physical uh, metal being traded. So that's where you get a better idea where the yeah. market's at. Well, like the price of silver is around $24. You ain't going to find a Silver Eagle for $24. Good luck getting one for under 40 There's your true, true uh, price right there. The dealers know what the real deal is. They just build the the suppressed spot price into their premiums. So anyway, if you're thinking of doing that, boy, don't 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 let any grass grow under your feet. Be my suggestion. 
as the old guy said, you buy, his grandfather told him, he said, you buy land and wait, you don't wait and buy land. You buy gold and wait, you don't wait and buy gold. Because at some point here in the near future, it's going to spike, folks. You know, I've been holding it down so long, so long, so long. It's like going to the beach and holding that beach ball underwater. You know, every time you hold it underwater, you get weaker. And every time it pops up, it pops up higher. That's what's coming. So where else this morning, folks? Wayne, you got anything else? How you doing out there in Dallas area, buddy? You doing all right? I guess that means yes. Yeah, pretty good, Roger. Pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, going okay out this way. We're we're getting inundated with illegals, though, and what we're seeing is that uh, along the areas that, like, uh, where Jeff lives, we're, we're Collin County out here, and tons of apartments going in. We just know there's a lot of Section 8 uh, illegal aliens going in there, and they're going to do all they can to uh, steal the boat probably by 24 and on. Yeah, you can it's bet that's be their game plan. Out here. You can bet that's their game plan for 24. They had a meeting on it last week at the International Spy Museum. Did any of you see that? I think we might have talked about it on the air. Uh, one gal was doing the reporting on it, Laura Loomer, and uh, all the bigs were in there. And guess who chaired the meeting? Jamie Raskin. Ratskin. Oh, you know what? I was just going to, if anybody wanted a little information on Ms. Mesvinsky, you may remember that Edward, uh, Mark's father, uh, went to jail for ripping off $10 million and uh, he was there five, he tried to plead uh, mental illness that he's bipolar or whatever, judge it didn't buy it. So he was in there and he, he you know, finished his uh, probation. He still owes... Uh, 9.4 million to the ones he ripped off but uh and then the the mother is Marjorie Margolis now both of these were representatives in congress huh. and huh. and clinton friends you know demos right and this woman then adopted a bunch of foreign children and <laughs> so and uh, it's just pretty typical actually but so it is very much like Soros whose real name is Schwartz yeah Oh, what a tangled web we weave. Well, so last <clears throat> before the last election, bought a bunch of Spanish radio stations in the oh, yeah. southwest. Of course. Okay. Of course. There's spirit cooking, you know. <clears throat> oh, I mean, I saw some of the things from Darien Gap down there, some of that video, and there was a bunch of them waiting, and uh, Michael Yon was going, well, who do you like, Trump or Biden? Biden, Biden, Biden. God, it's just sickening. Well, we're going to see Mr. Biden and his family are uh, apparently in the edge of some pretty hot water here, folks. Oh, you know, in the clip of, uh, and, and you've probably talked about this uh, on a Max Egan thing, it was uh, Nigeria where they're shredding up all the cash and composting it. Oh, yeah. So they, so they have to go cashless. Yep. Yeah, they're forcing the Nigerians. What they did is they said, well, let's try like they're going to do in July here. Let's try this little uh, this little Fed coin thing, and a ridiculously small percentage converted, seventeen percent or something. So then they went in and limited the amount of cash you could pull out of the bank if you weren't in that program. 
So now evidently they're even shredding the cash to force everybody on it. So, folks, you got any funds sitting in those retirement accounts, you ought to really think about getting that stuff out and getting into something solid. It would benefit you greatly. Well, and one thing you can remember is in Greece, when they just took out, I forget what percentage it was, but it was like overnight they took out 50%, 60%. Was it Greece or was it? just grabbed it. Was it Greece? Was it 10 years ago? It was Crete. Wasn't it Crete, not Greece? No, it's Greece. I thought it was Greece. Yeah. Well, they did the first bail. They did the first bail in in Crete, and part of the reason was because that's where a bunch of oligarchs, Russian oligarchs, had their money. Crete. So they can just take it out on a drop. They can just yeah. Well, because it's not your money. It was you know, somebody alluded to oh, earlier, Wayne. When you put that money in the bank, it becomes their possession. And well, and not only. And not only that, I mean, through the data systems that the banking is set up in, it just takes a push of a button. Yep. So these data systems make it very simple. Yep. And see what's going to happen. I mean, and these people, the people just ended up in alter, you know, I mean, poverty. Yep. So what were they going to do? Yep. So anyway, but that was just a reminder. That was about 10 years ago. And I think that's part of the reason the derivatives have popped up in these credit default swaps and stuff, Natasha. Because when the banks go under, they take any cash, and those are the primary creditors. And they pay them off, and then you get shares of a worthless bankrupt bank for your deposit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the hey, federal, oh, hold on. In the federal, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, and the this is D, and and I've been talking to um, I think it's Devin, and in the Federal Reserve Act, it actually says that if we don't file our power of attorney with the banks before they go under, that within three years, all the money goes back to the United States Corporation. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably true. Now, who was trying to say something there? Was that you, Joe? No, that was Anthony from uh, Colorado. Oh, well, Anthony, we hadn't heard from you since Old Blue was a pup. Where have you been? Oh, I've been running like a madman, setting my TMA um, and growing baby quail and putting everything in trust. Good. Yeah, so that's what we've been doing. Yeah, and, spoken. and I just wanted to comment. Yeah, and spoken with have, who have their stuff in the bank. It's like all they all they have to do is turn the power off, and all that you have stored is over with if it's electronic. That's true. Uh, yeah, and had uh, any more. Uh, that's what uh, they did with Nigeria. Right. Yeah, and had any more overtures to Mister Colander? Have calendar? Have you? We haven't been able to connect with each other because he's been busy and I've been busy. Boy, he's been swamped. Yeah, yeah, busy. He's swamped, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, on top of everything we're, else. We're sending emails back and forth. We're just not connecting okay, right now. Okay, great. Well, you know, somebody put him in charge of a. No static at all. And somebody put him in charge of a big social networking deal, too. 
Yeah. A CEO. He's a CEO of that. He's an attorney. He's got stuff going on in Thailand. He's got all these other things happening. He's a busy guy. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, I tried to get to him early, and we just couldn't get to him early. Well, we'll get there soon enough. (laughs) Well, I sure do wish I could get... It's good to hear everybody. I just wanted to say hey real quick. Well, good, Anthony. Glad to hear from you, too. I was wondering where you've been the other day, actually, so... Good to know you're yeah, dealing just, with your just baby. Just working like a madman, trying okay. to get it together. All right, buddy. We'll keep up the good work then, okay? Roger. Yes. All right. We'll talk to everybody soon. Have a great day. Be Thank safe. you, Anthony. Yep. You too. There's a student waiting to talk in free conference call. Well, they better talk quick because we only got a couple minutes left. Hey, new student. Now's your time. Break. Break. Breaker one nine. Jay Grant from Colorado. Uh, if the new student's not going to come in, uh, I just have a, a very naive question. Okay, Jay. Two. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to go review this again because I just got home and heard the talk of money in the bank. Um, I do believe that the Finnish, the people in Finland, overthrew their banksters to threw them guys out because they were going to do the same thing that was either in Greece or, as you said, Crete. My question is, if I have cash uh, and uh, uh, cash assets in the bank, um, should I, how much should I leave with them? Um, I really don't have a lot of bills. And then if the day comes where um, they go to digital, I'm going to have a wheelbarrow full of cash that I'm going to have to say, please, can I have more than uh, 10 cents on the dollar? Well, I'm really mixed. Well, I mean, I silver, me, you know. Okay, let me. It might be good to have a basket of all of them, but when this thing goes down, cash is still going to be king for a while. Okay. Okay. Because okay. the okay. people are see you understand the reason why because the people are conditioned to it. But the banking system is going to maybe put the kibosh on that, though. Well, not if you're out there trying to buy quail from Anthony. He's going to accept cash. Okay, so, okay. Okay, I got you on that one. All right, thank you so very much. Okay, okay, Jay, what else? What else you got inquisitive mind about? I'm taking silver. (laughs) Anthony, Anthony, excuse me. Anthony only takes silver for his quail. Uh, yeah, I think he's my neighbor, yeah. But most people aren't as sophisticated as Anthony. They're still going to take cash. Yeah, well, you know, cash is still going to be king for a while, maybe not for a long time, but you should have a little cash on hand uh, because now we're talking about Gresham's Law. Okay, so what's going to happen with Gresham's Law after six months? Bad money drives good money out of circulation. People are going to hold their gold and silver and use their currency. And then go to the golden and so eventually uh, it'll move to that when the people realize that the cash is worthless. Yeah, but I don't think it's ever going to lose uh, lose its total purchasing power. It may lose most of it, but I don't think it'll go to zero. For instance. Okay. okay. I mean, you know, right now, you know the you know the best investment where all the money's moving right now. Thirty day treasury notes. Thirty day treasury notes. 
They're not buying six months. They're not buying year, ten year. They're they, yeah. they're buying the short term, six thirty day treasury yeah. notes because they can't even approach wow. that amount of interest at a bank. Yeah. So that goes okay. to show you, you know, really legitimately in financial circles, the most respected element of debt is the United States note, a bond. Mm. As ridiculous as that sounds. Goes to show you how effectively they pulled this scam off, doesn't it? Yeah, most certainly. Most certainly. So what else, well, Jay? Uh, um, that's really all. I've had some tendon issues and a possible surgery and stuff, so I've been kind of uh, in and out. Get a wand, baby. Have you got a wand yet? I got a wand. Got wand when uh, RBN uh, when Herzog sold me one from okay. Uh, RBN. Okay. It was a, it was right. a promo at that point. So. Well, at least you've got one. So, all right. Yeah. Did the new Thank student? You, you're welcome, I, Jay. I, Okay, we'll hear from you soon with another question. Does a new student ever show up? Ever get the mic off or get the frog out of their throat or They're there. The, it's D. The cat the cat D. has the cat released your tongue, D? Has Paul's cat released your tongue? Well, My Roger, cat I have doesn't uh, grab this D. Okay, now I'm gonna get deal with and this female. I to you. Is this D? Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you yes. fine. Hi D. Yes. I I just want to thank you for what you're doing, and I've um, been listening to you for a while, and I've tried to connect with you, but I really sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, want to say thank you for what you're doing and for the books you've written and your kindness. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It's my duty. Well, I wish more people felt that way, but unfortunately, a lot of people see it as a money-grubbing opportunity where I feel that you come more from the heart. Well, I'm not charging anybody for anything, you know, really. See, I didn't Mm -hmm. want to put this into a money thing. I I know how complex this information is. I weaved through it for years. I didn't want to put out there in a monetary situation and go, oh, he's just doing it for the money. So that's automatically out of the picture here. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yes. I have a question for you, though, if you don't mind, since you've um, well, you better hurt. Yeah. Experience in experience okay. this stuff. All right. How do you um, – How? I'm trying to think I had to ask a question. You can send off your affidavit to the Department of State and show that you no longer want to be a part of the U.S. Corporation. My question is, though, what is your advice on how to handle when you're in a state or a county and – they basically be the finger. And they basically what you were cutting out a little bit. What was the last thing you said? They That's basically. Okay. I said so. Yeah. So what happens when you have an issue with the state or a county, and they basically flip the middle finger and don't want to recognize? Well, that's when you got to stand up belligerently and continue the course and take them if they if it's a court situation. You do the best you can, get as much evidence as you in at the at the trial level, and then you appeal it if they rule against you. It's the only thing I know to do. Oh well, yeah, I don't. I'm not having that. So, like, I've gone to files stuff, 
in in because I kind of float around where people need my help, and I've gone to file stuff, and well, we don't like what's in there, so we're not going to accept it. I said, you don't have that choice. That's not their that's choice. Not choice your your choice is to file documents, so not to make legal decisions or personal decisions. Are you talking about the property records office? Correct. I agree. Sir. Yeah, the, all all you can do is, you know, I know Ron Gibson said on on alloyal title and stuff. If they wouldn't accept it, that you just walk up and you put the paper on the counter and you don't touch it again. Well, I don't know if you've seen or heard, but now someone please chime in if you know what I'm talking about. What pe- people are doing that, and now the county um, is having the police department charge them with a um abandoning property Ugh. um or loitering it, it's insanity well <clears throat> somebody you're gonna have to hold somebody's feet to the fires only thing i know to tell you it shows you yeah. the tyranny that we're dealing with okay hey roger I yes totally agree. J- joe um uh, it's <laughs> If they reject your filing, it's a violation of 18 U.S. Code 2071. Okay, when when you give it to them, they have custody of the record. They are, it is illegal for them to conceal, remove, mutilate, obliterate, falsify, or destroy that record. There you go. Anything what? that you give them. Eight, that's 18 U.S. criminal. 18, what's the section? Uh, it's 18 U.S. Code 2071. 2071. D, and go look that up and, sh- and go throw that in front of them. I wonder if the mayor or the DA would, would help with this too. Oh, I'm sure they wouldn't. Mm-mm, not so. I've actually had three attorney generals um, that we have gone to regarding blatant corruption um, against their constituents, not on a one or two, but I'm talking hundreds, and they basically said. In writing, we only take complaints from state employees. <laughs> okay, we're ending the show right now. I'm sorry to leave the audience hanging, but you're hanging. See you tomorrow.